Hello and welcome to the Cherry Hill Perspective for June 23rd. Today on Making Sense, we're going to be talking about the merging of Live and the PGA, and is it potentially sports washing? Uh, on Secrets of Success, how we can keep the family cottage, and finally on the lighter side, the seaweed shortage. Enjoy! So was the merge between Live and the PGA inevitable, or is it sports washing? Let's talk a little bit about this. So the golf world was fundamentally changed recently by the announcement that the PGA Golf League and Live Golf, which is a Saudi-funded upstart, have agreed to join forces. This is being met with a ton of mixed feelings from golfers, many of which hate the idea. So let's delve a little deeper and see what's behind the deal and why so many are not pleased. The PGA is known for its tournaments that are held most weekends and whose purse can be in the millions of dollars. Most of the matches are held in the US, but they are also held in Canada, Europe, and Asia. The big names play in these tournaments, names that not even non-golfers would recognize, like Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, the golfer, not the drink, among others. Of note, the PGA has relationships with the four big men's golf tournaments. These are the Masters, PGA Championship, US Open, and British Open. So today we're just talking about the men's circuit. Uh, the women have their own, and it's called the LPGA, and they have their own tours and their own schedule. So as a bit of a backstory, Liv began not too long ago during the pandemic at the end of 2021 with pro golfer Greg Norman as its commissioner. And the funding came from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, say that 10 times fast, also known as the Public Investment Fund. Liv was able to lure several big names like Phil Mickelson with the prospect of massive payouts that are not currently available with the established PGA circuit. If you wanna get someone's attention, offering them guaranteed payouts and millions of dollars, that'll do it. One of the big draws that Liv offered up was a looser, more fun, one would say younger style of tournament. The looser dress code, there was some music, there was three days of playing instead of four, and if the player is having a rough go, they don't get cut like in the PGA after two rounds. So how did PGA and Liv get along prior to the merge, you ask? Not good, not good at all. If a player wanted to join Liv, they were forced to resign from all things PGA and its European equivalent, or face suspension and fines. This move created lawsuits and countersuits, which are still ongoing. Supporters of the PGA say the Live Venture is simply an attempt by the Saudi government to distract from its human rights record, a term better known as sports washing. The Saudi government officials have responded and said their purpose is to invest in the physical fitness and showing the youth that being healthy and active is a priority and it will serve many generations to come as a good example. Supporters of Live have criticized the PGA by saying that they have a monopoly and have used strong-arm tactics and threats to protect its position. So what does this mean? So the proposed deal has the PGA Tour remaining a non-profit organization where they would retain full control of how the tournaments are played. After that, lots of changes. The PGA Tours are a very lucrative commercial business and so are the television rights that would be owned by the new yet unnamed for-profit entity. Of note, the board of directors for the new entity would be led by Yasser al Ruminian, who is the governor of the Public Investment Fund and also oversees LIV. 
three other members of the board executive committee would be current members of the PGA Tour board. The tour would then round out the rest of the board and hold majority voting rights, effectively having control. So this is not a done deal to be, to be sure. There is still lots of approvals that have to be secured. The policy board, who will be giving the nod or killing the deal, is made up of independent directors and players, five of each. There are still details that have to be sorted out. So in principle, this is being called a framework agreement at this stage. Uh, there will be no big changes in 2023. Things will carry on as is, and tours will remain separate and the set schedules stand. So how do golfers feel? Well, honestly, they feel mixed. So here is a little information on what we understand their feelings are. It's, it's been estimated that up to 90% of the players were against the merger. McElroy, who is one of the most recognized golfers other than Tiger, has said he has reluctantly in favor of the planned merger. It's, uh, I would say it's more that he's resigned than excited, one could say. So here's a, a quick note about sports washing. If the term is new to you, as it honestly was to me, here's a quick rundown of the term. So first off, we're not suggesting that that's what's happening with the live situation, but we thought it would be, was brought up. So we thought it would be prudent to educate what this means and give a little more information, a little context. So the term sports washing has been used to describe everything from the 2018 World Cup in Russia to the 2019 boxing match in Saudi Arabia and the infamous 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. So it's a way for world leaders to improve their nation's reputation by hosting a prestigious sporting event or financing a popular team. In essence, it's all about diversion. Sports are loved and they are a unifying force all over the world. But do not forget, it is also a multi-billion dollar industry. By troublesome governments or even private businesses associating themselves with sport, leaders are seeking to align themselves with that image. So, you know, it is yet to be seen if the deal will go through between Liv and the PGA. In the meantime, there are lots of opinions on both sides of the fence. So now on Secrets of Success, we're going to talk about the family cottage. So the family cottage can be a very meaningful asset from both a financial standpoint and an emotional st standpoint. Naturally, a lot of people want to keep it in the family and also avoid the tax bill, or at least minimize it when you're transferring it to the next generation. So first we're going to go through a list of don'ts. So don't assume that the kids want it. Sure, the cottage has likely been a source of fond memories for everyone involved, but when faced with ownership, it's entirely possible that your kids don't want it. So just ask them, don't assume. And don't assume the kids can upkeep it. Cottages are not free to maintain. Like all properties, they occasionally need a new roof, garage, furnace, dock. And while having a cottage is a welcome thought to many people, the realities of maintaining it may not be practical. And don't assume that the kids can share it between them equally. So let me ask you this. Would you buy a cottage with your siblings? If you own one now, why isn't it jointly held with your siblings? Ask yourself if the kids would have equal access and equal interest. A lot of kids live in different provinces, so it would be really difficult for some of them to, to even get there. And if not, would they even contribute equally to the upkeep? What if one wants to sell and the other one doesn't? The other thing is don't sell your kids the cottage for anything less than fair market value. This could result in double taxation. Don't give your kids a deal on the cottage, 
when you sell the property at a lower price, the capital gains are still calculated based on the fair market value. So you've, you've literally saved nothing. But the price the kids have purchased the cottage for is lower, so their capital gain down the road will be increased. Don't make the kids joint owners of the cottage. There are lots of reasons on this one. So now let's talk about some of the dues. So do track the capital expenditures and keep receipts to reduce the capital gains tax. Good records can help you reduce the tax consequences, regardless of what other planning decisions you make. Consider gifting the cottage to the kids outright. The downside of this option is that the gifter loses control over the property. You also want to be careful not to trigger double taxation, so using a promissory note could be a good strategy. If the promissory note calls for repayment over five years, you can also use the capital gains reserve to spread the tax cost over that time frame. Another do is consider a, a personal trust. This is the most complicated of the solutions, but it affords significant control and it also makes it easier for the beneficiaries to share a single asset. You can do this while you're still alive, it's called an inter vivos trust, or in your will, and that's called a testamentary trust. The details of using a trust to hold a cottage property are beyond the scope of this chat, but worth discussion with your financial planning professional. There are also some things to be aware of, some pitfalls when it comes to trust, so I'm just gonna put a little exclamation point on that one. So another thing to consider is that your cottage can be your principal residence but not at the same time as your home is also your principal residence. If you own both properties for an overlapping time period, then you'll be able to select which years was your principal residence when you sell or transfer the first of the two properties. Only one can be your principal residence for tax purposes in any given year. Another great option is the use of life insurance to cover the tax burden. If you are transferring the cottage when you pass away, then you'll also trigger the tax bill at that time. Life insurance is an extremely efficient way to fund liabilities such as taxes when they occur at the time of your death. You can consider allocating an existing policy for this purpose or purchasing a new one. If the premiums are a huge issue, you could consider having your kids pay a portion of the premiums if they're in a position to do so. Ultimately, it's to their benefit to inherit the cottage without tax consequences or at least some thought as to how those taxes will be paid. Maybe consider whether the kids would rather have the money and use it to buy their own cottages or even first homes at this rate. It's sometimes best to sell the property and distribute the money. Also consider how the property will be cared for if you still own it but don't have the capacity, whether it's mental or financial or physical, to maintain it. And on a final, not great option, consider leaving it to your executor, estate trustee, to deal with. It is the more flexible, but could disappoint some beneficiaries, especially if more effective tax planning could have saved everyone some heartache. So you'll notice I've used consider seven times in this short summary of cottage succession issues. You know, that should be telling in its own right. It's important to take the time to put real thought into what you want what your beneficiaries want, what's possible, and only then, what's optimal. So for the lighter side, we're gonna talk about the great seaweed shortage. So the supply of nori, the seaweed that is used in sushi and other Japanese cuisine, hit its lowest level in 51 years in the 2022 harvest year due to bad weather and a red tide outbreak 
in the Ariake Sea, Japan's biggest seaweed-producing region. Farmers' prices soared up to 46% from the previous year's harvest. Japan's leading processed seafood makers plan to raise the suggested retail price of seaweed for home use by up to 40% starting this month. During the 2022 seaweed harvest year, which runs from November 2022 to May 15th of this year, about 4.8 billion sheets of nori seaweed were produced in Japan, falling below the 5 billion sheets for the first time in 51 years, according to data from the Seaweed Business Promotion Council of National Fisheries Foundation. This figure was about 2.7 sheets short of the country's domestic demand of 7.5 billion sheets. That is a lot of seaweed. So a decline in seaweed output is due to a bad crop in the Kyushu region, which accounts for about 60% of seaweed production in Japan. During the last harvest season, red tides occurred in the Ariake Sea due to little rain and high ocean temperatures, aka global warming. As a result, it seems that the seaweed did not grow sufficiently due to lack of nutrients in the sea. Bad weather also had negative impact on the quality of seaweed, which grows by absorbing nitrogen and phosphorus. With not enough nutrients being supplied from rivers due to little rain, the seaweed became discolored. We are worried that consumers may shy away from seaweed because of soaring prices, said a representative of the Saga Prefecture Fishery Cooperative Federation. Tokyo-based seaweed maker Shirako plans to raise prices for its product for domestic use by up to 40%, making it the company's first price increase in four years. 7-Eleven Japan, operator of the country's biggest convenience store chain, in April raised prices for most of its hand-rolled onigiri rice balls by about 10 yen, citing poor seaweed crop and soaring energy costs. Meanwhile, smaller rivals like Lawson's and Family Mart say they do not plan to increase their prices at the moment, as they deal with the rising raw material prices by diversifying procurement methods, among other measures. So, in short, if you love your Japanese delicacies that often feature seaweed, you'll have to dig deep, along with so many other food prices that have gone up recently. Thank you for joining us on the Cherry Hill Perspective. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial services provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Yeah.